Welcome everyone to the Eva Health Podcast, season two. My name's Erin, I'll be your host this season where we explore health information technology topics and our solution, Eva. So without any further ado, let's get this episode started. Okay, on today's episode, we're gonna talk about responsible artificial intelligence. What does it mean? What does it look like inside of healthcare, healthcare technology, and everything around that. I'm lucky enough to blend my two careers, you know, tech and communications, moving into, you know, becoming a nurse with the goal of one day blending those careers to support excellent uh, systems that are really focused on patient outcomes and patient care. Here I am at Eva Health, a company that has spent the last 20 years, 20 plus years really, in research and development and creating a tool to not only support the independent medical practice, but a tool that utilizes responsible artificial intelligence to promote uh, better patient outcomes. Let's dive deep into this episode and explore what all of this means with our wonderful Dr. James Mahoney. Good morning, Dr. J. Hey, Erin. Good morning. So today we're going to have a wicked conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're talking about uh, responsible artificial intelligence in healthcare. And, you know, I was thinking about this topic because we've, or you've been working in artificial intelligence and what it means to integrate that into the healthcare process for a long time. And, you know, ChatGPT, AI and healthcare, Google, IBM, lots of people are working on artificial intelligence. It's really coming into kind of, I would say, modern conversation. So people are becoming more familiar with it. It's a couch conversation now. Experienced that at a family dinner a few months ago, Um, which is interesting, right? Because uh, all of, so first of all, I just want to start with, you know, a fact, which is most artificial intelligence in healthcare is being developed and researched for large institutions. There is nobody that I've been able to find or that I know of um, that is using artificial intelligence, making it totally accessible to a small independent practice. And the solutions that are being made or trialed with AI in them for these larger institutions are extremely expensive um, and no small clinic would ever be able to use them. So something that sets us apart as a company is we are actually offering future forward technology in a responsible way, but to the small guys, right? To that kind of healthcare that patients are missing. And I think that's really important for people to understand um, that are listening to us, right? This is, we're not trying to create a tool that's used in these massive institutions and the type of care model that they are integrating with, right? We're interested in a totally different care model that kind of brings it back to the roots and using technology in a responsible way um, to support their success, right? So now that we've kind of covered that, let's talk about a little bit about the scary stuff 
about what is going on with AI and healthcare, the sort of the bigger conversation that is separate from what we're doing. And then we'll come back to what we're doing. How about that? Okay, I want to let you, I want to let you do that in one second because you just spurred the greatest idea I think I've had in a week. Oh, so awesome. all the stuff that Meredith and IBM and Google and it's a disease management system. It's all yes. about disease management and it's all about the end of the care cycle. And which is, it's going to be great to have that to assist us. Right. But what we do, this is my funny and bright moment. It's like AI, the little guy. I mean, we're, we're basically the, the, the root of what we do is to allow our independent practices to take all the data that a patient can provide a patient, a single patient, an individual, an individual provides their data. Our AI interprets that data and provides it to the doctor. So the doctor or provider can look at it and say, huh, that's good information. Thanks for putting that all together for me. Just like an expert assistant would do very different than what, what we're talking about with these gigantic systems, which are really looking at these incredibly complex care processes of cancer care and um, stroke care and uh, the whole idea of having somebody in an ICU or CCU and what are the likelihoods of this patient surviving for three days or actually dying no matter what you do, those AI processes provide information and data to the doctor in these very, very, very complicated, very linear environments where there's a disease, the disease is being managed by these drugs, the hospital has to do these services. It's a very large system that's that's interacting with the disease the patient themselves is really not the object of that, that ai it is actually a disease management they're managing diseases what we're managing is humans we're actually taking the data from an individual patient having that data data is the, their patient's story the patient tells their story to eva eva takes that story and interprets it into actionable items so that their provider can look at it and say wow they're not sleeping at all and they're super depressed. So given that and no other problems, here's, I think, a, a reasonable course. Thanks, Eva, for the data. So Eva passes that on. And that's why it's it's AI for the little guy. It's AI for every man. It's AI for the people. And when you say responsible AI, I think to me, it's like it's ethical, moral AI. I agree. Um, which is like, so before we get got any further, I thought that was so it just kind of it was funny to me because we are all about independent practices and just the value of freedom for people to choose um, what they want to do with their health. Do they want to be a health nut and just, you know, do green drinks like you do all the time? <laughs> or <laughs> are they, are they just going to be happy to exercise and eat burgers? And everybody has their choices that they're going to make. And our AI doesn't force any process on anyone. Our AI provides information in a, and a nice package so that it can be acted on quickly. So lots and lots of time that would be taken to extract that data is given back. And then the provider can look at that and then can interact with the individual so they can actually come up with a plan together, two human beings creating a plan that works, not being told, providers not being told, this is what you should do. That's not what our AI does, where these other AI processes provide to do that. guidelines and diagnostic uh, pathways that you should go down. If this patient has this problem, you should do these diagnostic procedures and provide them with these treatments. And we are completely and totally opposed to that approach. We want it to be about human wellness and maximal optimal living 
And then if you begin to experience a disease process, AI in that way can be very useful, but it should also hand off all of that final decision-making to a human being to actually say, and that's what you mean by responsible AI. Yeah. In that process, there has to be a human to interact with the other human so that there's that, that bond, that, uh, that human interaction, and yes. the, that process that takes, that's, that is so much higher than, um, it's not just simply a cognitive process. It's a spiritual process. It's an emotional process, things that computers are not able to do. They are not spiritual, emotional beings and never will be. So that's my little guy thing. Go little guy. I love little guy. Like I, I, you know, I, it's hard for when I talk to a new client or people who are kind of exploring Eva or even, you know, I went to A4M and then in our upcoming, you know, we're going to Pneumatica to speak with them there whenever we're having these bigger conversations or even with medical economics, you know, because the larger conversation is really focused on AI in this disease management role and in taking large amounts of data to, right, exactly look at the disease and not the person. I think people sometimes, they don't mean to, but they lump us into that's what they must mean by AI. And if you've been interacting with AI and healthcare and large amounts of data in any sort of way, um, you know that there are absolutely limits there. But you also know that one of the biggest, you know, and it, you know, there was an article that was released today, you know, from Axios about Google, and the article literally ends with basically medicine is about that human to human interaction, right? And so there is this knowing that we have to have that, like we have to have that, but then there's this massive driving force in sort of these larger areas that AI is going to solve all of our human condition problems, right? And I don't believe that, you know, you can have your own opinion on that or whatever, but what I do believe AI can do for us and specifically the little guys is make it so that we can be competitive in a market not driven out and we can actually continue to focus on patient yep. care. Well, see, I think, I think that part is clearly the sweet spot for Eva, because what, I what I know that we do um, every day, cause we're, we're the benchmark practice and we see, see patients uh, every day in all sorts of situations, but the amount of care that we provide is so much greater than the average practice can provide because we have so much more data. I have so much more information. So if a patient comes in and they have a specific complaint, which is usually how patients come to doctors, I have back pain and I know that they have back pain and that would be what most doctors would understand. And they would do an exam to check their nerves and say, okay, let's do an MRI and there's no problem there. So let's just conservatively treat. Instead, I can look at them and say, you have back pain, but you're also depressed and you're also constipated and you have, um, this really profound uh, structural problem. So I can look at all of those things together and I can take all of that data and make a treatment plan on the basis of that or not. It's up to me and the patient. I can say to the patient, so, you know, when was the last time that you uh, had a bowel movement? You know, it's been a week. It's like, well, that's not going to help your back pain. Let's address that while we do these things. Is that okay with you? Uh, yeah, just give me a shot in the back. That's all I wrote out. Okay but you can, you know, I'm going to request that you do that too. Take some magnesium and do these other things. Um, so we're able to do that. And I think most practices that are at our level, um, 
they don't have the bandwidth, they don't have the efficiency to be able to capture all of that and be able to provide that level of care. So we appear to be, we, we are perceived as providing a much more holistic, complete care, and we do. I, I think other doctors may be, they, that may be on their mind, but their ability to deliver it is, is limited because they're seeing a bunch of patients, they don't have that time, they don't have the AI to assist them, to carry them to the next level, where the AI has done half an hour's worth of work for me before I see the patient. So I get to walk into the patient's room with a half an hour of pre-done work. And so there I am, all that data, everything provided for me. So I can do something for this patient. Not only will I do more for the patient in a short period of time, um, but their outcome will almost always be better because I'm addressing them as a whole person, not as a disease process, which is the problem with going back to AI, which right. is the, what we talked about earlier, wicked, fiendish environments. Yeah. You know, and that 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 the wickedness it just it's just it, it it applies specifically to there's so many variables. You know, where what what's the weather like this today? And was your mom yelling at you? And did you sprain your ankle? And plus you have the uh, bad sore throat. Okay, all those things together, do they all add up? They they may matter, they may not. But at least I have the data, and I can take that information and I can apply it to the to the decision making that I make with the the things that I do with the patient, we share that decision-making because all the data is there. Um, and I think most practices, whether they're an independent small practice or even a large practice, you know, 50 or 100 doctors, would all do well to have all of that data presented to them in an easy-to-read format that Eva provides. And then if they're in a gigantic system, they'll save the system beaucoup bucks because you're not doing unnecessary diagnostics and you're not missing diagnoses that are going to cost the system money, money, money down the line. And so our system, which has been in place for years and has been effective for years, is built on the premise that we're not managing diseases. We're managing humans together with the human, humans and us working together to actually create an outcome that's, that's based on all of the data that we can possibly grab at that moment, not little tiny snippets like I have back pain. Okay, here's a here's an aspirin, here's a pill, here's a thing. Right. Instead, we're going to look at the entire wicked, and it's it's somewhat wicked. That's not a totally wicked environment, um, but it's it's way more than the average doctor can possibly grok in a 20 minute appointment. Way more. So we turn a 20 minute appointment into an hour long value. So anyway. I would argue longer. Um, and the reason why is so like, you know, we have this AI at the front with that patient interview, the EVA's core patient interview, right? That's going to take all this info. But the other part about our system is, is really about the workflow, right? So there's a lot of uh, AI being used in larger institutions for workflow processes as well, because that is incredibly valuable, right? So making sure our systems are efficient. Well, there's a huge difference between efficiency in a hospital and efficiency inside a small independent clinic, right? But if you actually strip it down to basics, they are very similar. They can Agreed. actually be the same thing. But totally agree. you've, you know, you've basically went the moment that you bring in, um, you know, healthcare insurance and sort of if you're going to do reimbursement, if you're going to contract with insurances and all of that, you complicate that process significantly, not only for your operations, your overhead and all of that, but also for the patient and the care model, right? 
when you strip that away and you offer a direct contract with the patient, you know, you agree on price and care plan and all of that stuff. What you do is you bring it back to its basics. And so you're able to be more efficient, but it's still a lot to a lot of data, a lot of clinic information, like the practices information, your vendors, who you're, you know, who you're ordering products with supplies, all of that, how much time you're spending in the room. There's still all these operational data points that you do have to consider. And you do have a time limit, right? You, there is a time limit on the day and how many people you can see and how good your care model is, how, what kind of care you want to give. With our system, what's so fascinating and why I was so attracted to it was it's the only system that I've ever seen for the small guys that's actually doing like managing all that operation stuff for you in one element. And that's smart technology right there. That, so the AI sort of continues through that, but it's responsible because it's guided by you in the setup process, like you and your clinic. What does your workflow look like? It basically Eva's asking you all these areas to fill out your information and then asking you, hey, do you want to connect this to this to this? And you go, yeah, I do. That sounds great. That's what I do, you know? Um, and that's invaluable. I think because people have never seen anything like that before, um, unless they've worked in larger institutions where they're sort of playing with that idea, uh, they mm -hmm. don't understand the value, like the return on investment for that. So I think the amount of time you're actually saving isn't just from the interview. I mean, you're saving so much time efficiency-wise because your whole workflow is set up customized to you and the type of care you're giving in your office between you and a patient, right? Um, that's priceless to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's as you say, I you're and I I will I will stand corrected. So the um the time that you spend that you would consider FaceTime with the patient because of the interview that Eva does, because she does such a good job connecting with the patient. She connects with the patient and gets all this stuff that would come in an interview and then provides it. That part saves, it depends on how much of it you use or how much matters, say 20 minutes to an hour. Sure. Mm -hmm. But the other part that, that you brought up, which I, I just kind of, because it's not part of my daily concern, sure. it's become, it's become a non-issue. I yeah. don't even deal with it. I actually did a house call yesterday. I have a, a lady who's um, super sick and she's in a lot of pain, so she can't come to the office. And um, and she's been a patient for a long time. And um, she, her daughter's taking care of her and she was going to come to the office. I said, don't do that. You're only a half an hour, 20 minutes away. Let me come see you. And I'll, I made a house call. On my way out the door, I had to get um, IV supplies and some meds and stuff to take on the house call. I don't even think twice if it will be there because Eva manages all the inventory. And we know that if we're short on anything, Eva will alert. And I don't have to concern myself with, do we have the stuff? Is it there? I don't ever have to worry about it because Eva ma manages all that. I also know that Eva's got a workflow interaction that is a home visit. And that home visit has elements that when I go and do a home visit, which seems like it's, oh my gosh, that is a gigantic chore. The drive is, I mean, the drive is 40 minutes of there and back, um, which that's time. But the value to the patient is inestimable. There's no way you can put a, a dollar figure on it or whatever else. But that actual process is encoded into EVA. And all of the components of a home visit are already there right in front of me. I don't have to noodle it. I don't have to think, okay, so what parts do I, don't do I? 
everything's there. I brought an IV pole and the IV solutions and the meds that I needed and did all the stuff I needed to do and, um, and came back to the office. And it took me about two minutes to document the whole thing. I don't even think about that time saving that's there, which is probably, I don't know, probably an hour or two every day of trying to figure stuff out. And then when you eliminate insurance from the, I don't spend any time with billing and coding as well, well how am I going to do this visit and get paid for it? But I don't think about that. I'm providing a service that's act worth kind of an infinite amount of money. And I expect because the patient and I have an agreement that they will pay for the work that I do. I'll get paid and I won't rip them off. I'm not going to be unreasonable. I think it was 500 bucks for everything, um, which was very kind. Um, and doing a house call is kind, but not having to, any hassles about it. I don't have to worry about, do I have the supplies? I, that is beautiful because it doesn't even come to mind. It's not even part of my thought process. I don't have to worry about that or think about that anymore. And I haven't had to since we've instituted all of Eva's administrative elements that are all in there. And as a small practice, you know, we only have five employees, six employees. Uh, all of those things would require tremendous amounts of support and staff if we didn't have Eva. And we don't have any extra staff to do it. The system does it all. Our staff, our front office staff, focuses on hospitality, not on number crunching, not on insurance and billing, not on, and we are constantly told, your staff is the best staff I've ever seen. They're unbelievable. It's because they're on the phone saying, how was your visit? Is everything good? Do you need anything else? We actually brought this lady on the house visit. Um, my nurse practitioner, Kayla said, you need to bring them a charcuterie board because they're super busy and don't have any time. So she made me run by this little shop up the street and I got a charcuterie board and it was a, a really sweet gift and it was really nice. So we spend our time on stuff like that. Right. We spend our time focused on that, not on, you know, is the billing going to be correct? Is the coding going to be correct? So how much time that saves, we commit to excess service, which is like crazy. And I brought a charcuterie board. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I thought you were joking. I was like, oh, oh no, I really did. I really did. And, and this morning when I checked on her pain control, I said, how was the charcuterie board? And um, her daughter said it was unbelievably good. She picked at it and played with it and ate it all night long. She was so happy. And uh, which makes me really happy because that's part of that wicked environment that she knows she's cared for. And actually I would say she's loved and, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and that's a big deal. And that's, that's a very healing environment. And, and Eva helps create that because I have the time to do that. I'm not right. so busy with administrative nonsense that I don't have time. So, yeah, I think, you know, it gets, what I like about this conversation is it can make artificial seem approach, artificial intelligence seem approachable and not so scary. <laughs> um, and for people to understand there's many ways to do it. Um, and of course, you know, a lot of the stuff you're going to hear with these bigger institutions, they're looking at managing sort of the style that they are continuing to sort of pump and feed into. So a lot of this AI is really focused around drugs. It's focused around, okay, here's what, here's your disease. So here's your disease. Here's the answer, which is drugs. And we know that, yeah, of course, you know, there's, you take your boards, there's all kinds of um, research and there's a lot behind, you know, giving prescriptions to people that can be really, really helpful. But we're also learning in our small existence on this planet as a modern world that, Medications are not always the answer. 
And if we were to actually take a patient back 20 years, 15 years, who's in an advanced disease process, if they had had really excellent long-term care before that, really excellent primary care, there are moments in that, which is goes back to your wicked because you're convincing me, um, that could have prevented or slowed or supported a different path, right? It's kind of like the butterfly effect in a way. So, I mean, there's a, there's a really big difference between hospital care and primary care. And a lot of hospitals are trying to like bring and absorb all of the primary care and sort of force that model of hospital care into primary care, into preventative, into all of that. And it just doesn't compute because it's different. It's totally different. Primary care isn't about, is not only about disease management. It's so much bigger. And that's why, you know, I've always believed our primary care doctors should get paid the most because they are the artists of the medical world. They are looking at so much more information. They're thinking before we get to this extreme point, you know, disease management is in there. Um, and I love that, you know, Eva and the Eva Core interview in particular allows direct primary care. It allows whatever type of medicine you're practicing, right? Even if you're just basically doing only hormones, like that's it. You just see a few patients, you're only doing hormones, or maybe you're doing sports medicine, right? You're doing injections and that's it. It allows you to see that patient's story so that you are way ahead of the game as far as disease monitoring, right? But it also allows you, if they're in a disease process, to see all of these other factors that are contributing or maybe making that disease process worse. Um, and that, think about the value of that. You don't even get that in a big institution that's investing millions in their EHR, right? So to give that to the little guys, I mean, the hospital should be thanking us is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, and, and society society as a whole, I mean, if, if you spend time with people and sit at the dinner table with neighbors and things like that, nobody's really interested in taking more pills or more disease management. What they're all interested in, but it's very difficult to get authoritative information. Is how do I stay better? How do I stay away from the hospital? How do I do those things? And everybody all the way up the line to, you know, our top levels of government, top levels of insurance companies, they all want the same thing. They would like less utilization of tertiary services. They don't want people going to the hospital and getting bypass surgery and that's expensive. And it's everybody, everybody suffers for that. If we could do some preventive stuff on that, meaning if we can actually support somebody in their decision to exercise, which is difficult, by the way, hardest, I call it vitamin X. The hardest vitamin to get somebody to take is vitamin X. They, to get people to exercise, if they're not exercisers, boy, it's hard work, but it's a, you can do it, but you can't spend your time parsing the details and the data of disease management and also have the time to do lifestyle uh, counseling and those other things that are, re that are required. It's, it's, if you look at the numbers, it's, it's not efficient. And in the big systems that are get grabbing primary care doctors and jamming them into a, a, an efficiency model where they're trying to crank out as much money as they can on primary care visits, there's absolutely not time. Though the request is there, you know, that you, you need to do lifestyle counseling too. So you tap your hat, you tip your hat to that for a second yeah. and say, okay, uh, don't smoke and run. Okay, good. Uh, but to actually get with someone and ask them, what, what do you do that you enjoy to do? And mm -hmm. actually in Eva, there's the, the questionnaire includes frequency of exercise. Um, and then th that 
that lifestyle stuff that's in there, it's a guidepost. So you can tell with a patient, is that someone who needs that counseling? Can I focus and target my, my officers to that specific need? And yes, you can. And it's a luxury that patients and doctors get to enjoy in the EVA environment that doesn't happen in this other environment where it's disease management. You have a high cholesterol, you're taking your statin drug, your cholesterol's at LDL's at 70, you've met the target, check, your blood pressure's good, check, have a nice day. But the exercise, because that's the number one thing we know that changes all the statistics on heart disease. We know that for sure, but they've left that out because, and then that they're out the door. And having a piece of paper that says, and by the way, exercise, people put that paper in the trash can on their way out the door. Um, and that's just how that works. We know this for a fact. It just doesn't work. But when the doctor actually sits with the patient or a provider sits with the patient and says, hey, let's go through that. Let's talk about what really does work for you. And they have enough data that they can make a good decision to look at the patient and say, this patient definitely needs this counseling. They do have a heart risk score, which shows up on EVA, heart risk. Um, and they have very low uh, lifestyle uh, intervention score. They're, they're not working out. They're not doing anything to take care of themselves specifically. So to to offer that to a patient and pretty much people take a few reminders. It takes a while, but people do get there, but they won't get there if they're not given targeted supportive device. And I think the advice, the, um, the thing that doesn't happen in the whole uh, disease management process is the thing that doctors love about their job. I'll speak for myself, but then I know that many doctors who are, would agree with me is the opportunity to be heroic. You know, you're going to do something that changes the course of someone's life. Uh, to identify a problem that you're going to intervene and you're going to save their life, or you identify a, a decision that they've made and they're going in the wrong direction and you're going to remind them of a different opportunity and they take it and they save their marriage or what, whatever it is that you're doing. And a heroic act falls outside of the, the standard deviations. It's not the mean. It's not the normal. It's not what AI would identify as, this is the most efficient process to create the outcome in this disease management. It doesn't do that. It doesn't. It, it finds the, the most common response that gives you the best result. And what we're talking about is an individual needs someone who will look at them as a whole person and really identify, where's the opportunity here to create a very different outcome for this individual based on all of the data in that person's life, all of it, their social, their environmental, their personal desires, their health status, their laboratory work, their symptom scores, all of that together. That's an extremely wicked, actually the, the new term is fiendish. It's a fiendish environment. <laughs> it, there's so many parts and to have the intuition and the experience of a provider who's been at it for a little while to take all that data look at all of it and balance it out and say, this is the proper approach for me with this patient. Let me explore it with them and see if they, see if we can harmonize and come up with a, a, an agreement on this. And then that agreement comes and then you have the outcome of a really, really heroic moment. And then the patient also gets to be heroic. They get to step up, do something that's really remarkable and get the reward, which is longer life, better health, uh, you know, saved marriage, saved, you know, heart, whatever it is that they're, whatever we're, we're shooting for. Um, but I think the AI that's coming out, I'm excited about it. Google and IBM and all those, it's going to be great, but we got to do our part to see to it that it stays a moral, ethical, responsible process. And we're doing our part. And Eva has that down. We've done it. We're doing it. We have patients and doctors all over the place doing it. And um, I, I want to invite anybody who's interested in that 
pursuing AI from that angle, give Eva a look because yeah, it's 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 the thing right now. We we're there already. We're not pie in the sky in development. Right. We've been doing this. We have practices that we're licensing to, and they're doing very well. And um, we're growing, and our AI is continuing to evolve along that line where we respect the capability of the um, interaction between two human beings as a provider, a healer, and a patient to be able to create a much more, uh, a much more exciting and complete outcome. I'm not managing their disease. I'm offering them life. And, um, right. and to me, that's, that's the ultimate goal. And I find that that's heroic, that, that act. What I'm hearing is, and sort of like a little aha moment for me is really the idea and what Eva Eva's core interview is doing. And then the whole operational process is assisting you in being heroic, right? She's allowing you, she's giving you the opportunity to be heroic by taking away lots of administration and documentation and right. like, you know, a lot of the logistical stuff. Well, and, and the unheroic stuff, the, right, the unheroic yeah. stuff. The it's stuff like, oh, boring. Yeah. I'm but, pushing I mean, paper I'm, around all day. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll be honest, though. Like when you bring on Eva, you do have to answer some of those really boring and annoying questions. Like you do have to say, who are your vendors? Once. What's their email? Once. Blah, blah, blah. You know, once. One time. Yeah. Well, one time one you do time. it. One right. time. And yeah. then and then you are set up. I mean, that's the part that you that's your part of adding the responsibility in there right so it's sort of like this is how we make it responsible we're asking you this 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 and this yep okay cool one time done like that's amazing to me um but you know i love the system i love using it so well i think you know i think we've done a pretty good job of <laughs> exploring you know what ai is in healthcare and sort of these larger environments sort of the bigger conversation and what we're doing and what we've been doing, which is we've already had that ethical ethical conversation, dilemma in our head. We've already addressed it. We've been doing this sort of model of responsible care, responsible AI integration to build that relationship between the provider and patient for a while. Um, and I'm hoping that as the conversation tips that way more in sort of the bigger uh, sphere, right? So social media, all that stuff that people start hearing, hey, there is a way to do AI that empowers the provider and the patient. It doesn't take over this process. What it does is it assists you. I'm not sure there are going to be a lot of people who actually build systems to do that though, right? Because um, it's hard to yeah. do and it takes a it, long it is. Well, time. And as you say that too, I think that there's that there's that really cold sort of mechanical steely thought behind AI is going to take care of me. It's going to be, that's who's going to be my caregiver versus this that we're doing, which it's, and it just sounds silly, but I like that it just came to mind, sweet AI, where it's, it's assistive. It comes alongside. It's like, Clara Barton, it's like the nursing yeah. role, that that caring, considerate. Here's all the stuff that you need to take care of the patient. Boom. And then the the healer, the the human individual who's involved, the provider, the NP, the PA, the physician, uh, the DC, the ND, all of the people that are now part of our healthcare universe, it's handed off to them to interact with the person 
with the individual and say, this is the story that I've, I've been given. I really like your story. I think your story could be better if we did these things. Can we make your story a little different? Can I be part of your story? And then you go down. The, that's sweet AI. That's that. Ooh, that's really good. That's super helpful. That's and if we, helpful. if, if, if we can get people to that point where they see that, that the AI as really their friend. So, yeah. you know, friendly AI, you know, responsible, I think is a great word because with that at the root of it, we have to be responsible. But anyway, I, uh, I really appreciate today's topic. That was really fun. Yeah, it was. It fires me up. Yep. I yeah, will baby. see you on our next one. Have a great rest of your day. Okay. You too. All right. That's it for us today. Thanks for joining us. Season two, talking about responsible artificial intelligence. I hope to talk to some of you in the near future. If you're interested in checking out Eva, having a conversation with me, exploring options for your independent medical practice, check us out at www.evahealth.com and you can request a demo, request more information, or if you'd like, you could send me an email. It's Erin, E-R-I-N, at evahealth.com. All right, see you guys on the next one.